This podcast contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to We're Not Over Six Feet Under, the podcast where we talk about the aughts most morose TV show about a Gen Xer in a funeral home and mortality and stuff, episode by episode, spoiler free. I'm your host, Jenna Shearer. I'm a writer, editor, and pop culture critic. And I'm your other host, Caroline McGraw. I'm a playwright and screenwriter. This week, we're talking about season one, episode five, An Open Book, which originally aired on July 1st, 2001. This episode was written by Alan Ball and directed by Kathy Bates. And the episode description for this on the Six Feet Under DVD is Ruth is stunned by the visitors at a porn star's wake. Nate has a strange first meeting with Brenda's brother, Billy, and Keith takes issue with David's desire to replace his father as deacon at the family church. That is a very spoiler-heavy episode description. I love this episode. It's great. This is my favorite episode of the show so far. It's like everything I like about Six Feet Under. I would say probably that's true for me, too. Kathy Bates yes did a great job I I looked it up this is so she hasn't done a ton of other directing she directed a bunch of episodes of Six Feet Under this was her first Mm -hmm. Um, and she also directed an episode of Oz which uh, (laughs) we'll find out later is very meta how did Kathy Bates get into television directing I don't know but I think she's great at it yes I, I found myself as I was going through this episode I don't often notice the directing a ton in Six Feet Under but um, mm. in this episode, I, there was a lot of like cool visual stuff. I think she's a really good director. So there have been five episodes so far, and two of them have been directed by women, mm-hmm. which is pretty good for definitely for the early 2000s. That's and, a real good uh, ratio. Sadly for now. Um, so kicking us off, we open on a very beautiful woman. <laughs> I think she's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um monologuing to someone named Tito about bringing a man around. And she's it's a very hyper-feminine woman. I would say that uh, she has a, a pretty heteronormative bathroom. <laughs> like this bathroom. She's got that like three-sided mirror that she's yeah. like filmed in in a cool way where her reflection is kind of scattered. It's glamorous. This actress, by the way, I looked her up. Her name is Veronica Hart, and she's an actual um, porn star. I figured she probably was. I, I, for one thing, you're filming in L.A. Get yourself get a, porn a real star. porn star. Why not? So she, the other movie, the other non-porn movie she was in was <laughs> was Boogie Nights, um, which makes oh. a lot of sense. And in an huh. interview, Paul Thomas Anderson called Veronica Hart the Meryl Streep of porn. She's a good actress, right? So she's really excited about a date she's about to go on. Um, and then she's getting in the bath. And uh, then we see that Tito is a cat. Yep. Um, and he, while she is relaxing in the bath, Tito jumps up on uh, the ledge and uh, knocks her. She's heating hair rollers up. And he knocks her hair rollers into the bath and uh, cooks her alive. <laughs> Do you think, so I, I, I want to ask you as a cat owner, is this yes. something like, do you think Bowie would perhaps do such a thing? Would you want to keep your electric rollers away from him? Here's the thing. I I at once was like, this is a bad idea. And also it's something I 100% would do. I'm very careless about stuff like that. Oh, I would, same. And I think, yeah, Bowie will sometimes just use his paw to push something over as if to say, uh, fuck your stuff. It's a, it's a statement shove. So she is electrocuted. R.I.P. R.I.P. And we see her name. uh, Interestingly, like last week, uh, uh, she has two different names. Her real name is uh, Jean Louise MacArthur. And then her stage name is Vivica St. John, 1957 to 2001. Um, And in the next scene, we're uh, at church, a place very far away from boobs. David is having a sexy moment he is <laughs> in he's, the in the church he, he's at church with Ruth which he promised he would do with her last week when she agreed to invest in the funeral home um and uh this is not the cool inclusive church he goes to with Keith in West Hollywood now so David has has this little moment with uh Father Jack um, oh but first he's oh, yeah. first he's uh he's ogling this man singing in the choir 
Um, it seems like David is bored at this church now, and he's really just trying to get his jollies where he can. And he also, it also will come, you know, will come back later in the episode, sort of like, and how you look at people in church. Yes, certainly will. will. will come back. Yeah. So then David, David and Ruth greet uh, Father Jack, a new character, outside of church, and uh, David tells him that he is go- has been going to a church in West Hollywood, which is basically like saying you are going to church in Chelsea. Like it's a very, <laughs> it's a very like wink wink sort of yeah. uh, thing. And the, I, you know, Father Jack seems down. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would venture to say, I don't know if the show ever makes it text, but I would venture to say that, that Father Jack seems like he himself might be gay and closeted. And Father Jack suggests that uh, David become a deacon. I tried to research this as like a non-Christian person. So a deacon is it? Are they Catholic? Are they Episcopalian? No, so they're not Catholic. Okay. Um, I think they're Episcopalian. That's um, yeah. When I was googling deacons, like Episcopalian was the other one that came up. I was sort of surprised that Nate Senior was a deacon. I know he didn't seem like he was getting up and going to church every week. Right. It's so hard to tell what he was because he's sort of everything to everyone. Yeah, it's. I guess it makes sense because David will find out that David. One of the reasons David is interested in being a deacon is so that he can get business. And a deacon is, from what I understand, like an ordained minister, but like a chiller one, like minister light, like with some business on the side. I I guess I sort of really don't know what a deacon is. It didn't seem like he went through any training. Yeah, I don't know. You know, if we have Episcopalian listeners out there, feel free to politely yell at us. So David seems pretty interested in becoming a deacon, and Ruth is thrilled. Yeah. I do want to just, this is not a heaven can't Nate. Nate did not have to do anything to get the money for the funeral home. David has to go to church. I just want to keep keep that in mind. Oh, like, it's true. She's like, Nate, you keep doing the bare minimum and having that jawline, and we're fine. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I don't know if Ruth is able to articulate it in that way, but certainly. Um, so... Tracy Montrose Blair pops up. I completely forgot about this character, and she's in every episode. She really is there all the time, and she is flirting with David pretty openly. Um, (laughs) When she just is babbling at David, and then he says, who are you? Is just one of the many delightful comical moments in this episode. Yep. It was it was so brazen. And then David lies and says that he's engaged. To a woman. To a woman. Yeah. Yes, it is implied that he is engaged to a woman. He says like all the good ones are like engaged or gay, I think is what yeah. she says. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he's like, let me further just scurry backwards <laughs> in this closet. And then we're at um, Brenda's parents' house, which is gorgeous it's so good it's like this huge like if brenda's house is windowy her parents house is like just a literally a glass house well and it's that that everybody's throwing stones in it is the least cozy place you've ever seen it's like the the way they design interiors in the show is so cool because the the fisher's house is again like almost like a coffin yeah it's like you know enclosed and every surface is plush and absorbent and there's doors everywhere yeah. and the the Chenoweth's house is like this wide open glass box it's like hey look we're gonna talk about everything yeah but it's a different kind of highly dysfunctional yeah and like we're gonna talk about everything but every surface is sharp mm-hmm. as hell <laughs> sharp in a mirror so they're swimming in a very, very beautiful pool. Like mountains in the background. I really want to be in that pool. I know. It's very gorgeous. There's also like the the detail that the Chenoweths keep the pool heated in a California summer. Yes. Which is just such a character note. It's it's just perfect. Um, so they they're like making out. I thought that they were naked. My conclusion is Brenda is not naked, but Nate is. Cause he seems, oh, because he like won't get out of the pool. He seems extremely uncomfortable with getting out of the pool. Or he has a, a boner. Yes. I mean, or both. So they're they're kind of like getting into it. And then Nate breaks away from her and says, you scare me a little. I guess she's being a little intense. I don't know kind of where that thought comes from. I know. I, I guess I can kind of see where it would come out from just him coming to this giant monster house. Yeah. Like... That would freak me out further. And then Brenda says the title of the episode pretty quickly (laughs) into the episode. She says she's an open book. Um, And immediately after that, Margaret and Bernard Chenoweth show up. Yes. I love the Chenoweths. Me too. In this 
season. <laughs> they're they're played by uh, Joanna Cassidy, who was one of the replicants in Blade Runner, and Bernard Chenoweth is played by Robert Foxworth, who uh, apparently was in the soap opera Falcon Crest, which I've never seen. And uh, so they're just sort of amused and watching Brenda and Nate. Um, like really intently watching. Yeah. Brenda seems annoyed they're there. She gets out of the the pool and she's, uh, I like her, I like her two-piece bathing suit. It's like a very simple, nice black bathing suit. Her, um, her intro to who Nate is to them kills me. I think we should put this sound clip in. Um, she says, Margaret and Bernard, this is Nate Fisher, the man I'm having sex with. And then uh, the Chenoweths invite Nate to dinner, and he says he has to study. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of like, I'm going to get you. There's something that happens with Brenda in this episode where again and again she will leave Nate alone with people mm-hmm. in a way that is so beyond sort of social norms. It's wild. It happens later with Billy, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just... And, and the dinner that comes later as well. Like, she just... When it comes to her family, she just really she wants to put Nate in it, but she also just can't seem to stand to witness it. It's yeah. really it's really fascinating, actually. It's, it's so interesting. Brenda has one thing that she says, and her mother has another thing that she says about like whether Brenda knew that her parents would walk in on them, and whether Brenda, you know, planned all this. Yeah, do you think she did? I think she did know because again, she's wearing clothes, even if it wasn't kind of top of mind I think she knew I'd buy that I mean I think you know we learn a lot about Brenda in this episode uh, not to get too far ahead but we basically learn that like you know she was uh, put under a microscope as a child and I think so much of her adult identity is about kind of creating this like elaborate hedge maze around herself yeah um, which you know is like when Nate's constantly like why can't I figure out you're such a mystery which is like such a like typical dude thing to say but in this episode we find out that she's doing that on purpose um in the next scene, somebody finally put Claire in counseling. Yeah. So both she and Ruth are in this counseling session, and it's with Gary. Yeah. Claire has apparently had some sessions with Gary, but we haven't been privy to those yet. Mm-hmm. And Gary's sort of ratting Claire out, <laughs> um, which I he's like... She feels like she missed out on the family being happy, which is a pretty direct and intense thing to say. And Claire's like, I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. I went to therapy briefly when I was in middle school. I never felt like I had a session where the therapist was like, okay, let's sit down and let's talk about what Caroline has talked about in therapy. I don't know. I guess he's a guidance counselor and not like her psychologist. Yeah. I don't know where the boundaries are with that. Ruth immediately gets indignant and won't listen. What we learn about Ruth's childhood here is just so... Oh, my God. She's just, like, flippantly, like, just goes, so I grew up in a two-bedroom apartment over a barber shop. Yes. Took care of my grandmother after both her legs were amputated. I really also want to name a band Ruth's Legless Grandmother. Ruth's Legless Grandmother. You know something good is about to happen when Ruth talks about her Legless Grandmother. So, basically, the, the kind of sticking point here is that Claire is saying indirectly through her counselor that her emotional needs aren't being met and Ruth's point is like your financial needs are being met so what are you complaining about yeah and like I she's like I love you so end of story it's a very ladybird vibe that's happening love that movie um, when Gary has to go to his next job and Claire says he does this for like five different schools and we cut out of that scene beautiful i know you know how to you know how to end a scene alan ball and kathy bates (laughs) it's perfect um in the next scene david is doing intake for uh vivica Um, Uh, with a beefy middle-aged man who's crying about her i think he's a i think he's like a porn producer we never get many details about him um i i love when david says he was a big fan oh has anything ever been less true yeah and then this leads directly into my Heaven Can't Nate of the week, which is also a Heaven Can't Rico, mm-hmm. um, which is Nate enters uh, to Rico. Rico is uh, putting Vivica St. John together for the for the viewing, and uh, they just make fun of her breasts. Yep. It's um, just this whole episode is sort of just the open spectacle of these breasts. Yeah. Yeah. And I did think it was funny. And he was like, this chick fucked a snake. Like, that was funny. That was a good line. Yeah. R- Rico and Nate are both like, oh, my God, she's famous. I've seen, you know, 40 porn she was in. And yeah. David's like, I've never heard of her. And yeah. 
wonder why nate is so clueless in this episode about david's sexuality but um it's a mild heaven can't nate they're making fun of her breasts certainly but when they talk about her porn career they seem to be genuinely like she was cool yeah they're like she was she was really awesome but it is like a little bit like i don't know i actually didn't totally hate this because i got the sense that if vivica was there she would be very pleased to have two fans yeah to have in to have influenced these young men yeah um these young men's lives and sexuality um and but yeah, regardless true. david does, david does not like david it. david does not like it he he takes nate aside and sort of chews him out for you know not not showing her the dignity that she deserves as a human being which is entirely yeah. correct and fair and he also you know is like look rico's your employee now you can't just be like broing out over porn in the embalming room yeah with him anymore i agree with david the rico is employee thing i mean obviously like the way boundaries dealt with in the fisher house is so bizarre but the relationship is so strange because he's senior to nate in terms of like everything he knows about the funeral business and his skill and his value i would say to the company but i guess yeah nate is technically his uh supervisor which is bizarre you know to give nate credit like he lists he seems to listen yeah i think so i i don't i don't mind nate in this episode that much at all no it's actually a very good it's a good Nate app. It's a good episode for Nate. He's really like dealing with things as well as I'd think anybody could. Yeah. Like things with Brenda and this. And I think he acknowledges that David is in charge in this situation, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Um, and before this scene ends, Nate gets the call from uh, Bernard and Margaret inviting him over to dinner, which he assumes is going to be with Brenda. Um, so in the next scene, Claire is in her room playing some kind of first person shooter video game. I couldn't tell what it was. It feels out of character for Claire, actually. Right? Ruth enters and, uh, Ruth rented videos and like reminisces about going to the movies every Monday night with Claire when she's in middle school. Claire totally shuts it down. Ruth's trying so hard and it's so sweet. It's really cute. She got the nutty professor and runaway bride, (laughs) which is the most year 2000 mom movies to rent. And then this next scene, David and Keith are watching Oz. And I've seen Oz and I don't really understand what they're so happy about. They think it it's is hilarious. It's not a happy show. It's very upsetting. I mean, moreover, I have questions about what this means for, like, the universe. Like, this is a universe where people on an HBO show are watching an HBO yes. show. I mean, later, they also watch Gilmore Girls. It made me be like, what multiverse are we living in? Oh, I didn't get that... I don't know. I didn't get that bogged down in it. I more was just like the show is I've seen like four episodes of Oz and it's it's horrifying. It's so upsetting. I feel like the fact that they're laughing about it says something about David and Keith and their joined dark sense of humor. I guess so. And David is talking about how he wants to be a deacon, um, but it means that he would not be able to go to church with Keith anymore, which, you know, is like that's like a sticking point because Keith and David met at church. Yeah, um, but did. but Keith uh, is he's supportive and um, he says that like you know in exchange he just wants David to come to his uh, meetup.com they keep dangling this this is the second time that a police and fireman gathering has been tantalizingly offered and we're not going to get to see it again. I know <laughs> I really I really would love to see this but Keith is being really supportive in this scene and David seems very down with going to the meetup.com thing. Um, their relationship is in a good place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote down for the next scene, oh my God, Ruth and Claire are watching The Nutty Professor. <laughs> and Ruth hates it. I, I really want the like the like side webisode of just them watching the full Nutty Professor and they're like, you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000-ing it the whole time. I am pretty sure that I also watch the nutty professor with my parents because i think that they thought it was like a real remake of the jerry lewis movie i've never seen either nutty professor it is a movie 
it is, I can just <laughs> see that Ruth is like, this will be a fun, you know, it's PG. Yeah, she's like, this is like a transitional, is my daughter a teenager? Question right. mark. There's maybe? not going to be any sex scenes in it, which yeah. I think is like a big, probably a big thing in Ruth picking these movies. But why didn't they watch Runaway Bride? I don't know. But that, well, because then we get the like just amazingness of Claire tr- like cracking up about the yeah. fact that they're just watching like a bunch of farting happening and Ruth being appalled by it. Yeah. Um, and here's another sound, but I'd like to put in this is an entire movie about expelling gas yeah. <laughs> it's so good and oh and the blockbuster uh logo oh. was prominently displayed so they have they sort of like have a little bit of a heart to heart on the couch ruth says she's worried about claire and she wants to help her and she doesn't know how and claire sort of like opens up to ruth about everything with the foot she explains like in a brutally honest way like every single thing she's like i had sex with this dude he had a foot fetish um he shamed me about it or his friend shamed me about it and ruth is just like you had sex yeah it's like the sex thing is like the least important part of it and Claire also makes a, a Columbine reference, which is yes. a very 2001 thing. She when yeah. when Ruth said she's worried about her and all the crimes, Claire says, "Why is everyone acting like I'm in the trench coat mafia?" Yeah, which is like just watching the show now. It's like just, a year, and it's like it's like two years after Columbine. Yeah, but it's just it's crazy. Like this is a real like how much time has passed moment that could, it was like oh this one school shooting, whereas yeah. now Jesus. I think there was a school shooting in Colorado. A couple days ago. Yeah, there have been. I think there have been like two this week. Yeah, two thousand one was a different time. Yeah. So in the next scene, we're at the Chenoweth's house. They immediately start analyzing him. Yeah, they're just they're every single thing. He's like, they're like, oh, this is what it means that you brought this kind of wine yeah. and stuff. And he's just like, wow, I'm under a magnifying glass that might have the sun coming through it, and I will be burned like an ant. Yeah, it's so it's so uncomfortable, and we find out that Brenda is not coming to dinner. Which, heaven can't, Brenda. <laughs> I do feel for Nate in this episode. They might mention it, but Brenda doesn't bring a lot of dudes yeah. around, and they're just, like, reveling in it. I mean, I feel I have a lot of pity for Brenda in this episode, too, despite what she puts Nate through. Yeah. But, um, I think that this is honestly, like, her kind of saying, I really care about this guy, and I don't know what to do about that, so I'm just going to, like, throw him in front of my family and run away. Is that what I'm supposed to do? She just doesn't know. It's, it's, you know, she's trying in her extremely fucked up way. In the next scene, uh, David is having his his deacon job interview with two priests. The new priest is intense. Yeah. Like, the new priest is, like, it feels like the fate of the free world rests on whether David is a deacon. And he's he's basically just, like, this is the oldest, most conservative church that has ever existed, so we hope that you're also really old and conservative. This scene has so much subtext. It's like everybody's cocking an eyebrow. Everybody's like, do you want me to say something? Do you want me to say something? Like it's very tense. It's like a um like a Mexican standoff with guns, but the guns are is everyone gay and no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I was I wrote down like this priest knows he's gay, Father Jack knows he's gay, the other priest probably knows Father Jack's gay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that I don't think that this guy's gay. The, just saying the word gay a lot, sorry. Yeah. But like the I don't think that like the new priest is, but maybe he is. And David David does at the end kind of like dare him to be like, what's up? You're going to ask me something about myself? And then he drops that he was engaged, which is the second time he sort of used a truth mm-hmm. that he was engaged to a woman as a cover. Yeah. And they also, you know, talk about the business side of him being a deacon, yeah. which is probably why Nate Sr. was a deacon, which is that people can come to him with their body needs. And is it in this scene that Father Jack does say he's like, I referred someone to your funeral home? Mm-hmm. Well, because later in the episode, we do actually see um, people oh, the from people the church. That we, yeah, the yeah. people that, that's funny. Um, so it's working. Mm-hmm. The, the, being a deacon is getting getting the business. The next little scenelet is just Ruth bursting into Claire's bedroom. Not knocking first, um, which would have driven me crazy as a teenager. Ruth says they're going to Cousin Hannah's. In San Bernardino. In San Bernardino. Claire's room is excellent. It's very cool. It's Her a spaces very cool room. are great. And that, I love that shirt. I talk about that shirt because the shirt is on full display later in the episode, too. Like, it's so, it's such a good outfit. It's such a good shirt. 
Um, Nate is, we're back with Nate and the Chenoweths senior and their house is so opulent. It's insane. Did Brent grow up in this house? This seems like such a new house. It feels like it's a new house. Margaret calls Brenda a master manipulator. She's such a mean mom. It's interesting that we get these these two pairs of mother and daughters in this episode. We get yeah. like, you know, Ruth and Claire and we get Margaret and Brenda. And, and we barely see we don't really see Margaret and Brenda together, but their relationship is so clear from the way they talk about each other. Oh yeah. But Nate does see an opportunity and asks them uh, about Nathaniel. Yes, the tattoo. It's a really great moment when she's she sort of like looks they kind of like look at each other Bernard and Margaret and she's sort of like yeah Nathaniel and Isabel I love the Nathaniel and Isabel stuff making up like a whole children's book series is very my my thing I wonder if they're modeled off anything I was trying to figure that out too because the uh, Margaret describes them as British and quite dark. They seem like the illustrations look Edward Gorey mm-hmm. kind of like so maybe that's I think that might be what it is even though they, they have plots. And then someone finally talks about when Brenda's brother was born, she would like sit with him. The show's been doing this this great job through these episodes of kind of like slowly creeping in on what is up with Brenda and Billy. And you just get this like, what is this going to be? And then this is like the moment where Margaret is like, oh yeah, uh, Brenda and her brother have kind of a weird relationship. I actually don't remember if we've heard his name yet. I don't think we have heard his name. We've see, we see him in the pilot. We see in the him background. in the pilot. We hear him on the phone a few times. And then they they talk about Charlotte Light and Dark, which is uh, this a book about the case study about like a brilliant young girl. Yeah, we basically learn that that Brenda as a child was a, a genius. Yeah, and her family basically put her in a study, which is fucked up. <laughs> I love this subplot. It's a great subplot. It's this is so this whole scene just like brings up so many things that I love about the next like season or two. This scene is also really beautifully directed where you get these kind of like it's they're they're near the pool at night and there's like there's kind of these like these low shots, yeah. these low angle foreboding, almost horror movie shots yeah. of everyone's faces when, when you know, they start being like, oh, she never told you about all this. Yeah. And you can kind of see the pool water, like the light of it reflected off Nate's face. And it's just beautiful. And then for different mother-daughter dynamics, <laughs> we go to San Bernardino with Hannah and Ginny. Hannah is played by this actress, Christine Rose, mm-hmm. who sort of pops up she's like a real workhorse she's like done a ton of stuff I really like her so Ginny and Hannah are like if (laughs) Rory and Lorelai Gilmore were oh gosh how to say this dumb I think I think Rory and Lorelai Gilmore would make fun of Ginny and Hannah yes they don't I shouldn't call them dumb they don't have the same sort of self-awareness yes that both Claire and Ruth and God, I can't believe I'm calling Ruth self-aware. But uh, <laughs> um, but the Claire and Ruth and um, and the Gilmore girls even have uh, they are very bubbly, mm-hmm. and they talk about a spin instructor that they both like. And as Claire mentions later, it is uh, gross. <laughs> and the uh, the the way the costuming is done in this scene is so great because you kind of have. Um, Ginny and Hannah in these complimentary pastel colors. Yeah. And then you have Ruth and Claire both just wearing like wildly different colors from each other. Very dark and very non-matching. They talk about uh, college a little. Ginny and Claire talk about college. And Claire says she wants to go to NYU or Columbia, which I wrote down. It's very Lady Bird. Uh, It's a very Lady Bird episode. Yes. But that's also like kind of the first we've heard of that. Like Claire has seemed so uninterested in college that to know that she has like that she's interested in schools, even in just a passing way is is just new information. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also just buy that as like a thing a teenager would do. That's true. Like week to week be like, oh, I don't want to go to school. But then if you are confronted by somebody who says that they want to go to school in San Bernardino, then you might be like, I want to go to these schools that I hear are cool. Yeah, that's true. She's she's showing up Ginny a little. Um, And Ginny says that she she goes to school nearby and she loves living at home. Um, And it's kind of creepy. But Ruth is in this scene. Ruth is very much like, isn't this wonderful that we're all just spending time together? And she seems very into the Hannah Ginny dynamic. 
So in the next scene, Nate shows up at Brenda's and Brenda's just wearing her her casual night khakis. <laughs> just some just She's some sweatpants, isn't she? No, she is wearing khakis. Are those khakis? I thought they yes. were like really loose sweatpants. They're khakis and she's wearing a red strappy tank top that I know she bought at Express because I had the same one and a matching sweatshirt. <laughs> She clearly knew that Nate was going to go see her parents and she wasn't going to be there. And Nate is like, I can handle everything, but I can't handle you fucking with my head. Mm -hmm. Which is completely fair of him. In this scene, he asks, did you burn down the house? And I think she straight up says no. I actually can't remember if she actually says no. She laughs and she's like, that's that's crazy or something like that. I don't know if she denies it. Yeah, she I think she's just like that's that's a crazy thing to say. You know, I think Brenda burned the house down. <laughs> I don't remember if we ever get closure on that, but I I do think Brenda burned that house down. Well, and so then Brenda kind of brilliantly like doing her kind of Brenda jiu-jitsu subterfuge thing turns this back on Nate and is like and is like, can I trust you? Like, are are you actually in this relationship or not? Right. When it's like, at this point, Nate actually has much more of a reason to be asking, can I trust you? Yeah, 100%. Um, She's really pulled some shit the past, yeah. the past couple of months that they've been dating. But the turnaround works. Um, Nate Nate is, you know, straight up like, yes, you can trust me. I want you to trust me. And, and they hug. Yeah, Nate's all in. The amount of control that Brenda's parents have over her as a woman in her mid-30s is pretty crazy. Like, I don't know if they give her money, but I don't also don't know if you can afford to rent that house on a on a sometimes masseuses. I get the sense that she is somewhat supported by her parents. Yeah. At least somewhat. We'll come to find out that like her attachment to her brother also is like a big part. Like her parents come with that. Like Mm -hmm. she can't like be around Billy and not have them in her life as well. The Chenowiths are sort of entangled with each other. In a different way than the Fishers are. Yeah, and she, does she give she gives him a copy of Charlotte Light and Dark. She yeah, she says she signed a copy for oh, him. Oh God, which is just that she's prepared. She's like, I know he's going to come confront me at the door, and I'm going to have a signed copy of this book about it's a power move. I, it is a power move. It's a real power move. And then we're back in San Bernardino. We are, and we're playing Scrabble. Ruth and Claire are so bright. That mm-hmm. it's like, it's, and then Hannah and Ginny just can't compare to them. So Ruth spells um, deft, and Hannah and Ginny like really don't, are like, hmm, interesting. They don't think it's a word. And then Claire makes a really smart, funny joke about deft, where that thing. <laughs> um, Shakespeare joke from uh, from Claire. And and Ruth gets it. And it's fun to see how they're alike. I know. I, I, I In this scene, I, I wrote that this is like where they find their common ground, that they're both really smart. Yeah. And then they're both really judgmental. Yep. Um, and then they're both kind of goth. And yeah. it's, really, it's really great. They're just not chipper people. Yeah. I actually really love the scene where Hannah's kind of like, oh, I had this terrible divorce and I totally understand what you're going through. And you see this sort of Ginny being like I wouldn't let my mom wallow but there's just like this desperation in mm-hmm. her eyes like if there's a moment where anybody's sad it would like kill everyone and I love when Ruth just talks about like it's just not the same at yeah. all the way that that Hannah's just like oh no my divorce is exactly the same as your husband dying suddenly Ruth says he'll be able to be at Ginny's wedding and he'll be there for all these things even if you aren't together and it's so poignant and there's like this lovely moment between Claire and Ruth and then yeah and she's like well it's sort of the same thing it's really yikes yeah there's there's this great moment like when I talk about how Kathy Bates kind of lets the camera linger sometimes the way that she shows Claire kind of clocking yeah how much pain her mother is in totally I wrote down that Claire sees her mother as a person yeah it's this it's this kind of flashbulb moment of empathy for Claire oh Kathy Bates direct more stuff right so Jenny uh, has decided, because I guess they're sleeping over at the house, Jenny's like, I know what we'll do. Oh, we'll yeah. all go to spin class together in the morning, and spin class will solve your grief. Yeah, Jenny's also like, we'll forget we had this conversation if we go to spin class. Like, it's so, it's so manic. I, I had to go to a spin class once for an article about, like, LOL, look at this very non-athletic 
journalists that were sending to this spin class. Yikes! I I literally I think tasted blood at one point. It was Seems it was awful. horrible. It, it was at it was at Soul Cycle. Soul Cycle is a is a terrifying cultish place. I can say from going to that one spin class. But I will say that I was so amped up from spinning that I walked half the length of Manhattan afterwards. So oh my god! I guess it does something. Jesus, Ugh, that is not an endorsement to me. <laughs> <laughs> so in. In the next scene, there's another gay-hating corpse. Mm-hmm. Another homophobic corpse. Well, the thing is, all these corpses that are homophobic are living in David's head, which is just full of homophobic corpses. That's very true. This scene has an odd tone to it. It's, Be- yeah. Because, like, Vivica's like, you're not a real man. But then she's sort of like, it's all love, baby. Vivica, via David's subconscious, is uh, all over the place. Yeah, I was trying to to kind of link this with David's vision in church at the end of the episode. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, there's something that they're kind of approaching here, but I don't know if they quite get there where, you know, uh, ghost naked corpse Vivica is talking mm-hmm. about, you know, um, do you think that like God still loves you right. if you're if you're gay or if you're, to use her word, a whore? And I, I don't know if they come to an answer here, but I kind of like the question they're asking. And she says that, uh, that she loved every man she ever fucked while she was fucking them. There's just something strange about sort of equating being an adult film star and being gay. Yeah. I think it, I think it's David's brain that's doing that. (laughs) Totally. But it it is, it is very strange Um, in the same way that he, you know, last week was um, equating being a gang member with being a man. Yes. So Nate has a weird dream about little Brenda, <laughs> Charlotte Light and Dark. He he has a vision of the cover of the book, which is like this like silhouetted child standing in front of a pool in front of like a hedge maze, maybe. Yeah. I think there's a dream every episode so far. I think so. And so when he wakes up from this, uh, this vision, uh, Brenda is watching him from her little nook. It's her. It's her staring at Nate Nook. Her, she, yeah. had, she had it installed especially. <laughs> and then, <laughs> in the next scene, I love this scene too. It's so good. Ruth wakes Claire up to get out of Hannah and Jenny's house. Claire says she's starting to feel like Anne Frank, <laughs> and Ruth says that they'll they'll have to go spinning if they don't leave. And then they run out of the house, like cackling with a dog barking. Oh, it's next so great. There's like, it looks like it's genuinely dawn out. And Ruth's hair is sort of flowing. Everybody's hair is flowing, but Ruth's hair is kind of streaming out behind her. They, lo- they look like witches. It's great. It's really wonderful. And then we're at breakfast with Brenda and Nate. And at like a very like chic LA sort of brunch spot. Um, and Brenda gives Nate a, a key to her house. Um, and they seem to be very happy and lovey-dovey. And as she's handing Nate a key, I noticed there, there's like a mural in the background in this trendy oh. brunch place that is, it looks like it's a, it's probably like a giant rose, but in between them is this painted thorn, like thorn <gasps> stalk that's between them Kathy as they're having this Bates. moment. Kathy Bates. Symbolism. Hell yeah. So we then move on to David and Keith who are also having breakfast outside, but we don't necessarily know that they're having breakfast at the same place, even though it is very similar looking. Um, but uh, David is talking about he's nervous about becoming a deacon and uh, he and Keith have an argument about kind of the respective churches, basically. Like, Keith says he resents being made to be tolerated, and that's why he wants to go to the church in West Hollywood. And and uh, and David uh, counterpoints saying, um, do, do you think we should just allow ourselves to be ghettoized? They're having a conversation that is specifically about them, but they're also kind of having this larger conversation about, like, religious intolerance of homosexuality yeah which is really interesting and then nate and brenda come out and they're in the same restaurant and david and keith are there it's like a french farce nate introduces brenda as his girlfriend and brenda says she prefers fuck puppet which is pretty funny (laughs) yeah and then david comes out to nate by holding hands with keith and it's so delightful it's so cute nate says like oh so are you guys working out together or something and he's like yes we are yes it's so sweet and then nate can't sort of fathom it and i wrote heaven can nate it's very his reaction is very sweet it's It's very sweet and then um 
Brenda's like Brenda says David is lucky because Keith is hot. There's like a, a moment when when Nate is like, Oh my god, I think David is gay. <laughs> oh yeah? You think you think at ten AM holding hands with a man at a brunch spot? And then in the ne- <laughs> in this next scene, Ruth and Clara arrive home and Ruth comes clean to Clara about her affair. She says it went on for two years, which I think might be the first time we got that information. Yeah. It's a long, long ass affair. Long time with Hiram. Um, and I love that this is just another Kathy Bates shout out. They, they both have just this long uh, sleep ruffled hair. Ugh, they look so great. They look so great. And they look so like they genuinely like woke up and ran. Yeah. It's just they're not like all makeuped up. It's fantastic. I love this scene so much. It's really beautiful. And Claire says she doesn't hate Ruth. Um, and they sort of resolve the foot thing. They do. Claire, Claire's basically like, like, look, I'm I'm just a teenager. This is what happens. We, we should just put in this line maybe. But she basically says, I know stealing a foot is weird. But hello, living in a house where a foot is available to be stolen is weird. Totally. That's amazing. My favorite moment in this episode and maybe in the series so far is there's a moment when, so they're like sort of in the sunroom. Yeah. And then we see like their conversation is over and Ruth goes into the kitchen and Claire just watches Ruth through the window and Frances Conroy just has this, I don't even know how to describe it. She's, she's just processing her whole conversation she just had and you see Claire watching her process it and yeah. it's just and she doesn't really wonderful. do no she doesn't do much but she just kind of like sits down mm-hmm. but like it's so great yeah so we're still we're coming out of brunch Keith and David make fun of Nate which I think is funny and they're talking about the thing in Laguna the firemen policemen meet up and I wrote we're never going to get to the fireworks factory we're never going to get to the meetup in Laguna and so David says he can't go because he has church and then Keith is like okay well we'll come back Saturday night and I'll go to church with you on Sunday and David's like "Ooh, hard pass you can't come to church with me because I'm I'm still not you know I'm like deacon auditioning and Keith gets pissed yeah Keith freaks out which I can understand but also this is another moment of like he's got rage issues he has so many anger issues things stop getting polite and start getting very real in this scene David calls Keith out for being in the LAPD as a black man yeah it's rough Keith calls David a fucking coward gets in his car and like really unsafely peels out out of there This this is so upsetting after the thing that just happened with Nate. Like, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. They had this lovely moment. And then to have this happen. But, I mean, they, they've been kind of moving toward this for a while. This. Yeah. I do feel like Keith expects a lot from David. And they're in different places. But it feels like Keith just, like, can't deal with David being anything less than, like, 100% out. Mm-hmm. Enthusiastic. I mean, at the same time, I can understand why this would make... Keith even more upset totally you know like clearly religion is an important thing for both of them that's true um and the fact that that David is now like oh this thing we always had us going to church together um I'm now going to exclude you from because I kind of am putting you in this box of you know my shameful secret that's true and you know it's it doesn't seem like it's something where David is going to be like well don't come this week and then next week you can come like you get the impression that David is not intending to ever take Keith to that church yeah also he just, I don't know, did they drive together? Does David have a way to get home? Could he call? Oh, he can't call a Lyft. There's, There's no, no Lyfts lift. or Ubers. He has to call a very smelly Los Angeles taxi. Like, it, it's high stakes to leave someone <laughs> in, in L.A. In the next scene, we're in Brenda's apartment with Nate, and Brenda asks Nate about how he feels about David being gay, and Nate's just like, well, it makes him more interesting. I don't know how I feel about that, I but um, it's okay. I, I think that what he probably actually means is that like the fact that he's kind of been hiding it, yeah, is interesting. But it's a little. little... I, I think like, I think it's you know it's it's complicated and, and not yeah. totally unproblematic. But I think that something is sort of sliding into place for Nate in terms of who David is a person because Nate is always kind of to David being like, "Where were you? Like, where have you been? Right. What is your life outside of?" the funeral business right. and now he's kind of seeing this new vista of his brother's life Nate has shown great emotional maturity this episode I think I think so and they're they're like yay we're dating we're gonna make out in this house where no one else is so we meet Billy 
in here this he scene. Comes. He's here. He's he, not wearing a shirt. Get used to it. He's Jeremy Sisto. <laughs> Jeremy Sisto is a real snack in all oh. of Six Feet Under, but this my god, yeah, this is quite an entrance for him. In a towel that he has not used to wipe the water off his body yet. No, no. He is air drying. He's like kind of, he's kind of like in the door frame with his arms up, just sort of being like, here is the full display to Billy. And so he and Brenda talk. Brenda seems surprised, but not shocked he's there. This scene is so bizarre because she like just goes somewhere. She like offers him tea and then disappears, but her kitchen is in the room. I think it's very just in keeping with Brenda. She's like, I'm going to take the long way around to my kitchen so I don't have to make this introduction to this person who, I mean, from Nate's perspective and from the perspective of a first-time viewer, Billy does not appear to be her brother. They sort of like sidle up to each other and close talk a little. You can see Nate relax once he realizes that Billy is Brenda's brother, but like, I wouldn't relax. No. I almost think it would be better if he was like an ex-boyfriend. Yeah, and then Billy turns around and uh in his he's got his uh do they still call it a tramp stamp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got he's got his tramp stamp just above uh the the line of his low slung towel. It says Isabel. So then in the next scene, it's a porn star funeral. We're at Vivica St. John's service. Turns out Rico uh, propped her wonderful breasts up with uh, cat food cans. Larry Wad speaks fondly. I love these names of Vivica St. John. Uh, Sandra O oh is there. Yes. The best, best guest star of the episode. I don't um, think she was in anything much at this point, right? No, Sideways is a few years away. Yeah. She does a great job with what she has. Well, what she has is so upsetting because she talks about Vivica. She's talking about how Vivica was her first girl on girl and that she was like both times that she had like new porn things to do, that she was really upset and that Vivica had to like talk her down and I was like sounds like there's a lot of coercion and uh and that she had to take a bunch of Xanax like uh the little glimpse we get into this porn starlet's life uh is nightmarish (laughs) and I don't like it so in this next scene Claire is back with Gary and she's talking about Ginny and Hannah and talking about how creepy they were which is accurate and she starts crying and saying that Ruth is really sad and she wishes she could help her. And Gary says, so help her. Yeah. And I, I like this little mission that he gives Claire and I'm interested to see where she takes it. Um, and then in this next scene, Sandra O oh is back and is so... She's great. She's fantastic. She's a comic genius. As you said, we had the people from church who needed needed a funeral home. David is you know, talking to them about their options. And Sandra O oh rolls in and says, Vivica's tits have never looked better. She's weeping profusely. And David is handles this so well. Mm-hmm. He says, like, we want her looking her best. He does a really good job of handling both the St. Bart's parishioners and Sandra O's oh character. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, rush her out. Like, mm-hmm. he really treats her with respect. The way that, you know, he... He walks the walk like yeah. he told, you know, he told Nate and Rico to, you know, these are people deserving of respect. And he he does it. Yeah, and I think it's really job. lovely. And then the next scene, David is being sworn in as a deacon again. <laughs> like unclear. Ordained? Is that the word? Yeah, I guess he's yeah, being ordained. ordained as a deacon. Um, everyone came to David's deaconing. Yeah, everybody's there. I it's think, nice um, that they came. Yeah. As he's getting deaconed, David pictures um, like a sort of disco nude boy <laughs> congregation. There is like, I'm impressed. They filled a church with naked men. Do you think that's a CGI? I don't think, I don't think they had that kind of CGI. So Vivica sort of seems to be giving David her blessing and the gift of this nude congregation. She's in that Maryland dress. Yeah. And she's sort of waving and she's like winking. And I- it's very like drag brunch. It's great. Yeah. And David realizes finally that God's love comes in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. It's, and a, it's a sort of come to Jesus moment for him, except Jesus' um, acceptance of his own homosexuality. Yeah. So then in this next scene, David straight up denies Keith like Peter denied Jesus. 
like when Nate asks about him, David's like, we just work out together. Jeez, Nate. I just, I typed a sad face. Like Nate seems really excited to be like, I want to like talk more to your boyfriend and like find out more about your life. And, and, uh, and David, you know, self loathes himself right out of the conversation. It's so terrible and biblical. Mm -hmm. Um, Claire reinstates movie night Mm -hmm. and also says, if you cry, the whole thing is off, which I've said to my mother several times (laughs) over the course of my lifetime. And then this episode ends in a very strange way. It ends with Nate embracing Brenda from behind and she's wearing some sort of nightmarish denim. It might be a dress. It's like a denim cowgirl onesie. Is 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 that what it is? Impression I got. I sort of didn't see... You don't really see what what's on the bottom. No. And then they're talking about Nate believes in God and Brenda doesn't believe in God and thinks everything is random. Yeah, she says she wakes up so fucking empty she wishes she'd never been born. Yeah, there you go. And then the episode's over. <laughs> it's it's a weird way to end because I didn't think that believing in God would have been so important to Nate. Yeah. Um, oh, I wouldn't either at all. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't say, he says that, uh, you know, he believes in God or some kind of undefinable creative force. I think he's basically saying he's agnostic. Yeah. Well, he's saying he's spiritual and not religious, is yes. what Nate is saying. Yeah. It's a very odd note to end on. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a, it surprises you when it ends that way, because it doesn't feel like the endings we've seen for the show so far. No, not at all. It's very different. Um, I think I know what grade you're going to give, but what grade would you give this episode? I give this episode an A+. plus. Oh! I uh, I know I can be uh, kind of a harsh critic on these episodes, but I really, really liked this episode. Yeah. Um, I think it. I don't think it's a perfect episode, which is why I'm a little hesitant about the Ed Plus. But it is a really, really good episode. There's a lot of good moments for everyone. Yeah, it really is a nice balance of everybody's stories mm-hmm. for sure, and it also it introduces uh, Billy and. I love the Isabel, Nathaniel and Isabel. I love the Charlotte Light and Dark. I love everything in this episode. I'll give it an A. I'm yeah. give it an A. It really, I don't know what an A. I don't know if I want to use an A plus so soon in yeah, the series. Now I'm now I'm regretting my A plus. No, I love it. No, you should give it an A plus. It's great. Uh, I don't, I just I love I love Ruth and Claire stuff. And yeah. the Ruth and Claire stuff in this episode is so good. It's really good. It's really it's a really funny episode. It's really well written. It's well directed, as we've talked about. It's very cohesive. Mm-hmm. It is. Good it job, is. Six Feet Under. For links to everything we talked about today and more information about us, visit our website at notoversfu.com. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell a friend about it, and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps people to find the show. You can write to us at notoversfu at gmail.com or give us a shout on Twitter at notoversfu. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Caroline, at Caroline V. McGee. And you can find me, Jenna, at Second Husk. You can find our producer, Allison Cherry, at Allison underscore Cherry. That's one L in Allison. Our theme song was written by Matt Berger and Melissa Lusk. Our logo was designed by Caitlin Trishani. Until next time, be like Vivica St. John and keep your tits propped up with cat food cans.